With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. You're now tuned in to KJ Live. Today's guest on the show is a former ball player, current day coach, and was named Associated Press and Detroit Free Breast Coach of the Year in her very first season at Detroit Country Day High School. She was recently brought back home to be head coach at Windward High School. Let's welcome in Jerrica Williams to the show. Jerrica, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us in your world, in your zone. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy Lady, uh, to make time for something like this, I truly appreciate it. Oh, um, we're excited to, to kind of find out your, your, about your journey and can obviously talk about your, your present coaching job at Winwood. But I want to get started before we get into all that. I want, I want to introduce you to my audience. This is something we do here at KJ Live. We go back. Um, I think people get a, um, some value out of understanding where a person has come from to understand who they are now. Um, if you don't mind, where were you born in the city, like the, the area, the neighborhood? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually born in Albany, Oregon, which is a small town uh, right outside of Salem. So about an hour south of uh, Portland, but like right in the middle of Oregon and Oregon State. <laughs> um, wow. Civil War country. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, super, super, super small town. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived there for uh, until I was seven or eight. And then we moved um, to San Diego because my mom got accepted into a master's program. And my dad uh, was like, OK, like, here we go. So he went ahead and got in a car and went and lived in a hotel for three months and then uh, found us a house and we moved and 
they're still living in the same neighborhood that we moved um, to San Diego. That we originally moved to San Diego back in however 1996 or whatever it was. So, okay. Okay. Um, but I so I grew up in San Diego. Is okay. Kind of what I tell people. So I'm from um, Spring Valley, which is like southeast San Diego. Okay. Um, but I like to say, like I grew up on like the hill above the hood. like like i went to all inner city schools but like my little neighborhood was like kind of a uh, the hill above you know where all the stuff happened um but yeah that's where i'm from okay sounds similar to um kind of view park where i grew up and then you have south central and crenshaw like we're right up on the hill but we're like three minutes away from the action when you said southeast it reminded me of my boy Jelani McCoy because he used to write that on his shoes. He's from San Diego. I think he might be from Southeast area. Is that where like Hoover is? And yeah, yeah. so it's, it's the hood, San Diego. Like that's where the hood is at. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, so so okay, so Southeast. Now, what did your parents do? You said your mom got accepted to master's, so she was uh, is it in academics, or what was mm-hmm. going on with her? And what was your dad involved in? As far so as they work? actually. Good question. They actually both got their master's in psychology. Hmm. Um, so my dad was in uh, juvenile delinquency. He got okay. his master's from San Diego State. And then my mom got her master's and then uh, went for her PhD um, in marriage and family therapy. So I always tell people, you know, part of like my coaching expertise and why I'm so good with people or so I've heard is because I was raised by psychologists. So yeah. I'm able to <laughs> connect with people on a different level. But um, so now my mom, when she was in her PhD program, she actually got into insurance to help. She was a young mom. She had me in 19. Um, and so she needed to, you know, survive. And, um, so she took off in the insurance world. So now she's the VP of Alliant insurance group. Um, and my dad, he's retired now, but he was like in, um, uh, like Polinsky center, uh, like foster homes. Like he was the director of all that stuff. So he worked with at-risk youth yeah. um, and helped. And he really like was able to connect with them. And, and, you know, he became like a second father to a lot of those people who were in the system, um, but he's retired now. So they like to, my mom's still working, but she's a boss boss. So they go out and they got their motorcycle license and they just ride up and down the coast of California. So they're in their third chapter. No, that's off the hook. That's what I, that's where I want to be someday chilling retired let me let me ask you this about your dad and, and what he was doing with at-risk kids were you ever like around did, you, did he take you to like you know camps or hang out with the kids and, and if when you did go to those situations what did it what did you learn or how did it affect you yeah good question uh i he took me to um the court like he took me to the juvenile center so i got to walk through that yeah. he took me to the court when he had to sit um with his kids um he took me to um like where they housed the foster kids and i remember walking through the juvenile center and i was like scared and i remember him telling me like don't be like don't be afraid these are just people you know um and so i think and my dad is from the hood you know like he grew up you know gangbanging and all of that and found his way but he really won i feel like he really wanted to show me like the two separate ways that I could go. Um, and so I was really able to internalize that, but also see how he impacts people and how like, let's humanize everybody. You know what I mean? Like just because they're 
in juvenile hall or made these decisions doesn't make them less of people. And I think that that's what I was able to take away um, the most going with him in those situations. Yeah. I uh, had the opportunity to work at a foster home in college. Mm. I think I was 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, somewhere around there. But I have, I go every weekend, you know, two days, I think I worked like four hours a day. Um, and it was an amazing experience because once you step foot in there, you realize that these kids who look like you, your age or, you know, and do the same things and like the same things you like are a lot less fortunate than you. Right. And, and you, you, you realize like, dang, I got a lot or I'm blessed or, you know, I, th- these things that I consider issues or, or stuff I'm tripping about, basically, I kind of started to change my perspective a little bit. And it was a, it was, a, I would say it was a life changing experience for me. Um, that's, that's, I can see why um, it's it shaped you and it has affected you. And, and to come from that stock of, yeah. deal, of dealing with those type of, of, of personalities and, and those beings, if you will, that's just, that takes special people. It's not, it's not something that's easy to do. Was basketball at this time on your radar at all? So, and good segue from my dad. So I got introduced to basketball. I was always like an athlete. I love baseball. Baseball was my first sport. I was a pitcher on an all boys team. Like, so I was always athletic. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, when I was in fifth grade, she came to me and she was like, Hey, I don't want to be the only girl in this free throw shooting contest. Will you come with me? Mm-hmm. I was horrible at basketball. I had no interest in basketball at all. I was in fifth grade and I made like two out of five, which was enough to advance. And so we go to like the regional thing and I made like one out of 12 and I didn't like to lose. And my dad took me out back and he goes, Hey, do you want to win this thing? And I was like, yeah. Like, so he lines me up. He was like, look, put your foot right here, put your elbow right here and just hold your hand like that when you shoot the ball. And I went back in and I made 11 out of 12. And then I went back to school. I'm like, Hey, I want to play this, like play with the boys at recess. I'm going to figure it out. And then somebody came to the elementary school and was handing out flyers to play for the local rec league. And I took it home to my parents and they tell me now they're like, look, this league costs like $50. And for us back then, that was a lot of money, but this was what you wanted to do. And uh, so I went and I signed, they signed me up and I got a really good coach and I won, like, it was like a, basically an all boys. Like I was one of the only girls mm-hmm. and uh, I got a really good coach and he, really saw something in me and was very fundamental. And I won uh, most improved player my first year. And then my second year, I won MVP over all the boys. So like, they, st- they still give me a hard time with that now. Cause some of them are in the NFL and like these high level athletes. Um, <laughs> so I was like, man, but you won MVP that year, you know? So that was, that was where it all started. But so my dad, um, I think I had a spark in me somewhere, but I think my dad taking me outside, like, Hey, do you want to win? That's, that's where it all started. So it, it was over the, the free throw contest. And it, so let me ask you this. If, if you wouldn't have made 11 out of 12, would, would we even know you today? Or would you have <laughs> took it like a completely different career path softball? I don't know, you know, some other track or, or something yeah. like that. That's a good question. Maybe, but my, my gut reaction to you was like, I, I wouldn't have not made 11 out of 12 just because of the way my dad had instilled that mentality in me, you know, like there was no way I was going to miss. Like we're very, um, my family is very visual, like visionaries. Um, and if we want something, we're going to go get it. And so whether it would have been basketball or something else, but there was always something about basketball 
that felt natural to me. And I think that that was just the spark. Do you have any favorite players at this time that you looked up to, or were you just locked in on learning this game, loving this game, kind of being local at your spots? You're not really tripping on all that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know what basketball, like I had saw people play it, but I yeah. had no knowledge of it at all. So I didn't know who was good, who wasn't. I think I had heard of Michael Jordan at a point. Yeah. Um, and then when I really got put on was when I think I was like, 11 maybe and my brother took me to see love and basketball whenever that came out (laughs) and i was like oh magic johnson oh like so then i started to like pistol pete is somebody that i did research on like so i started to seek stuff out but at the very very beginning it was literally like show up to practice because it's exciting to be here and i want to be a contributor to the team and I want to learn the sport. And then I think as I started to fall in love with the game, then I started to pay attention and do some intentional research on the types of players that were out there. Um, but that didn't come until later. I would say like middle, like in the middle school, high school is when I really started to find people that inspired me in the basketball world. Yeah. And so when you got to middle school, you knew and you had goals kind of set on, Hey, I want to be a division one college basketball player or, did you have goals outside of basketball that you were, you were focused on? That's such a good question. Uh, I didn't have a desire to, I was so focused on the process, which is interesting because that's how I coach now. So it's really, this is really like a good conversation to be having in this particular moment. Yeah. Um, I was so focused on the process. And then when I got to high school and my parents will tell me this, that's, that's when college became an option. So it wasn't like it is now where like the WNBA was on TV all the time. Like that's, you know, social media. Like we didn't have any of that. I have what was in my neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. I would go to the park, to the YMCA and I would just play. And that was the most exposure that I really had to the game. So once I figured out like, oh, if you're good enough, you can play basketball. You can continue to play basketball. Right. Like I didn't learn about getting scholarships and all of that until later. Once I figured it out, I started to watch college basketball and I loved Duke. Like I loved Elena Beard at Duke. Like she could do it all. And then um, I got really good. Like, like it started high school. I got really good and I, I worked really hard and I started to get like letters from UConn and Vanderbilt and Duke. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is getting interesting. And then I remember I went and visited Duke my junior year and I didn't like it. Like, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. But I didn't want I didn't want to go to this school. But and this is important. In fifth grade, I gave a speech in my fifth grade graduation. This is right when I started to like basketball. And I had said, I'm going to go to UCLA and play basketball. Um, But I forgot that I said that. So then when I like was going through my recruiting process and UCLA ultimately ended up being where I landed. Um, my dad reminded me like, Hey, you, you spoke this into fruition back when you first started playing the game. Um, so to answer your question, nah, that, that really didn't, I was so focused on the process, man, that, that all that stuff came as like, Oh, like, Oh, okay. This is, this is what we're doing next. And so that's kind of how it transpired. That's, that, that's a very cool breakdown of how, because I wondered because, a lot of times when you aren't even in tune with the noise surrounding like rankings and 
basically your competition. You don't know who it is. You're not, you're just locked in on your process and you pushing yourself. I used to kind of live that existence a little bit with my dad growing up. Mm. Um, we were kind of off in Bel Air. So he kind of had, you know, he was trying to make an NBA comeback, but he, so he had workout stuff and we're, you know, far away. We lived on a private road. So it was hard, you know, 20 mm. minutes, 20, 30, 45, an hour to get there. So it's like, I was just on the workout. I was running hills, swimming in the pool, right, uh, riding the bike and not really. So, but, but when I got out and kind of thrown to the wolves and kind of got around yeah. other people, competition, <laughs> it wasn't that fear factor that's associated. It wasn't that, did you experience the same thing? I did. I'll never forget. I was in uh, two examples. One, I was in eighth grade and they put me in the, it was called the super 60. It was in San Diego. And I was like all these top players. And um, my coach at the time was like, we're just going to put you in it. I was like, okay, cool. And it was like, Candace Wiggins was in it. Charday Houston was in it. Like, <laughs> right. And I'm in eighth grade, but to your point, because I had that mentality of like, Oh, I'm just hooping. I think there was kind of that, moment like right when I walked in and I knew who they were but I didn't compare myself to them necessarily like I wasn't working to be better than them I just wanted to be the best version of myself yes. man I went out there and killed and I'll never forget like I went out there and got buckets yeah. like it was it was a fun time and yeah. then the I can't remember the other example I was going to give, but no. So I never really felt. Oh, and then the other one was I was playing AAU. It was like my, I was, I was a freshman going into my sophomore year and um, I was playing up. So I was playing with a lot of juniors and seniors and like UConn was watching. Like Gino was in the building. Pat Summer was in the building. We're playing against this high level team and something happened. I went, I got fouled. They got a technical. So I I got to shoot six free throws in a row. You knocked them all down? And I made them all. <laughs> but it was like, there was no one on the line. The gym was quiet. And all those six free throws, that's when I, that's when I got put on everybody's list, was that, that moment. So to answer your question, no, I never – I'm grateful that I didn't grow up in this generation where the, comp, the competition is, like, placed in front of you all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard to just compete against – it's harder to just compete against yourself. Um, so I'm grateful that back then that's, that's really what I feel like I was, I was doing. Yeah. I was locked in. I was a lot like you when you're just locked in with the competition against yourself or that competition, not even the competition, but that, that want inside of you to like show your dad or show your mom or prove to your, to your, your parents. Me, right. it was my, it was my dad. I wanted to show him that, you know, I was ready. I was out here doing it because he talked everything up. You know, he'd get me all hype. You know, you got so-and-so tonight, man. Hey, man, I don't know, man. He's really good. You know, he's just always, you know, making it like everybody was better than me. So whenever I'd go, because he's like, man, they don't know you, man. You haven't been on the scene. What you going to do? So he would really psych me up. And I'd get out there and i just try to be an animal. i try to get 30 rebounds, 25 points, and, and just and just be absolutely nuts. Two, two more points. And then I, I wanted to segue off into your UCLA experience, the brief, yeah. albeit the brief one. Um, Elena Beard has been on this show. She, oh. cur she currently is involved with the group that is trying to bring a WNBA franchise to the city yep. of Oakland. And so I had her on 30 minutes and uh, we talked about it. So she is a friend of the show. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was great. I've never met her. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll send you the link to the episode. It was, she was dope. Uh, she broke it down. I, it was a quick, quick interview, but uh, she was gracious enough to 
uh, appear on the show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER the other thing I forgot, but I want to talk about UCLA. You wrote as a five, as in the fifth grade, that your dream school was UCLA. So, when the, and who was recruiting you at the time? Who recruited you to go to UCLA? First of all, uh, Kathy Olivier, Coach Olivier. So, Kathy yeah. Olivier, um, when she you first heard for, from her, or when she first offered you, mm-hmm. just describe that moment. Was it a phone call? Was it in person? Was she at your game? Describe the moment when you first got offered to go to UCLA. Yeah, well. Interestingly enough, so they didn't come into the picture until late. Okay. And like I said, I had said I planted the seed that I wanted to go to UCLA and then I forgot. So by the time I was being actively recruited by all these people, UCLA was not my dream school at that time. So, like, it took my parents bringing it back to my attention. Um, it's crazy how powerful seeds are. And, you know, anyways, so. My coach at the time was like, Jerrica, UCLA is looking for a point guard. So when you go out here, I don't want you to look to score. I want you to look to pass. I was not a point guard. I was a shooting guard. Like, pass me the ball. I'm going to score. <laughs> um, but I fought, But I listened. Um, this was the last tournament of my junior year going into my senior year. So this was the last viewing tournament. They saw me. She liked me. They offered me a visit. So I came and visited and – as I was leaving, um, we were driving back to San Diego and she called and she was like, Hey, we want to offer you a full scholarship. I'm going to be honest. When I went to the campus, I didn't love it. Like I, what was, what was it? What was it? What was it? It wasn't the campus. It was, I didn't connect with the coaches and stuff, you know, I got you. Um, and, and I was being recruited by, a St. John's in New York. Yeah. And I connected with those coaches. Like, so I had a comparison and I wasn't like sold on St. John's or anything, but I was like, Ugh, like, and, and people know who go through the recruiting process. Like when you know, you know, like, for sure, for it's sure. true. For <laughs> and sure. so I, I didn't feel super connected, but I remember my parents 
feeling so being so excited like oh yeah like our daughter just got offered to ucla and like you know it's ucla like that's all you gotta say um so i wasn't super excited i'm gonna be honest but i went through the process and um we got to the point where it was time to make a decision and a lot of people do not know this story but it's important for people who are being recruited to hear like we got to the point where we were going to make a decision and um, my parents really didn't support me. I wanted to go to St. John's and my parents didn't support that. They wanted me to go to UCLA. And I'm at my press conference and Chris, I'm at the podium, like with the St. John's, I'm like, I'm ready to put the St. John's hat on. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to St. John's. And then I look at my mom and I see her face and I'm like, UCLA. <laughs> like, I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I think that speaks to, so when I went to UCLA and I might be moving along, um, your question, but, uh, when I went to UCLA, I resented being there. You know what yeah, I mean? That's tough. And so it was harder for me to work hard. Like, so that's I, tough. that's, that's when it really, I struggled. And that's why the stint was so short. Cause I didn't go in there with the right mentality. Yeah. Wow. So you made a decision based on not disappointing your parents. That's that's amazing. It's funny when I had the opportunity to get recruited and choose between UCLA, I think it was Washington State, Arizona State, Cornell, and I could have been like a walk on at Duke. Mm-hmm. I kind of had that thought in my head. I knew my grandparents, you know, love my grandmother, love UCLA. My dad, obviously, you know, he right. was a UCLA guy. There's a lot of pressure that was there associated with that, and it's UCLA. So on the girl side, the boy side, doesn't matter. It's UCLA, one of the just premier spots for college that you could ever get the opportunity to go to. So I totally get it. I totally understand. But when you're not and your heart isn't into something, Jerrica, it's it's not good. And typically it does not work out. Right. When you bounced from UCLA, did you consider going to any other programs or who were the programs that you're you're considering transferring to? Well, I mean, I reached back out to St. John's, but, you know, things, you know, like, well, we don't need your position now, whatever the case may be. So San Diego State, um, so Beth Burns was the coach at San Diego State at the time, and they were rebuilding. Yeah, She was in, like, her second or third year, and she had been – I remember she saw me play when I was in the eighth grade or ninth grade, and she had made herself, like, known to me. Like, she – so I remembered her. So when – um, we didn't have the transfer portal back then, but when it became known that I was transferring, um, she reached out, she came and did a home visit and I'll never forget. Like she told me the story of when she saw me play my freshman year and like, she could tell me that she knew things about me that Kathy Olivier didn't know. So that connection, I was like, Oh, this is who I want to play for. This person knows me. She knows I'm a shooter. She knows Knows your game. Knows your game. Knows yeah, she knows my game. She can bring up moves you made, remembers, you know, this and that, that and this. I get it. All that. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to go. I didn't like the recruiting process. So I wasn't about to go on five more visits or anything like that. So I'm like, look, this is close to home too. Like, I wanted to go to New York, but I'm like, I want to be where I feel like I can excel in basketball. And so people ask me, like, oh, if you had to make the decision again, would you do it the same? Like the, the, the profound part of Jerrica? Yeah. Because life wouldn't have transpired the way life had transpired. Blah, blah, blah. But if I'm in, if I'm in and follow your heart and all of those things, absolutely. But I've made a basketball decision. 
If I were to have made a life decision, I would have stayed at UCLA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Yeah, that's a tough decision. I mean, the people don't understand. Well, not people. The general public doesn't understand what it's like when you're a student athlete and you have a choice when it's a school that's known for that particular sport and it could be known for other things or not known for other things. You could have like me, Cornell was my life decision. Let me just cut to the chase. I was like, I need to make the life move Ivy league, this thing and just average like a dub a year, every year starting as a freshman, you know, I'm coming in, I'm getting all the shots. And that's kind of what I was on, uh, what I was presented with, but Ultimately, like, and then uh, Washington State was another school I was seriously considering because of one thing, Coach Kelvin Sampson. Uh, who's oh, the, yeah. He's the, yeah, he's the head coach at Houston. But this yeah. guy is, is a master recruiter. I mean, I mean, he he was on my horn every day at the same oh, time. Man, that for been months. A good time. That's back when they used to hit you up all the time. You can have them long conversations with coaches. I, I think it might have been like that with you a little bit with some yeah. restrictions, but coaches could just hit you up. You'd be on the phone for an hour. Like my stepmother used to come in. Hey Chris, I need the phone. It was like, coach, <laughs> let me call you back. Coach, let me call you back. But you know what I'm saying? It was those those are really good times. Um you had a you flourished. Did you let me ask you this? How would you describe now you go to San Diego State? How would you describe the experience? Beth Burns knows you. She's familiar with your game. You're back in the San Diego area. How would you describe wow. that experience at San Diego State? Man, it was hard. It was hard because it was new. Um, and she pushed me. Mm-hmm. Like, at the Nick- time, at the time, I didn't understand what it meant to be, like, really pushed. You mm-hmm. know? Like, with all due respect to Kathy Olivier, like that wasn't her strength. Like she was more of a people person. Absolutely. Coach Beth Burns was a, she was a winner. Like she was mental toughness. Like that's it. That's what we're here to do. And I wasn't um, as mentally tough as I thought, but she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself yet. Mm-hmm. And so I responded initially really well. I worked really hard. I came back 15 pounds lighter um, earned a starting spot, like was averaging a double double in the first five games. And then, then I got benched and there was really no other reason other than like, she told me, she was like, we just think we, for the team, we just want you to come off the bench. And I was so, I was however 19, 20 years old. And I didn't know how to process how to embrace that role after working so hard and earning my spot. Right. So it felt like it was, well, my hard work doesn't pay off. Like I, so that didn't, yeah. I didn't understand it. Um, and so I built up some resentment to her, I think. And, um, I didn't have the pieces around me at the time to, to bring myself out of that. So I never fully recovered. Um, and then that's, uh, so I, it took the love out of the game for me, you know, and that's, that's ultimately why, like I made the decision to leave San Diego state early. Um, like I had like three more months left in the season and there was just like this breaking point for me that I felt like I was totally losing myself. Um, and I just didn't love the game. It was hard for me to wake up every day knowing that I had to go to practice. Like it was hard. Um, and so I made the decision to, to not, to not do it anymore, you know? And that's been, but then fast forward, that's been something I held on to because I'm like, damn, I was a quitter, right? Like, even though I feel like I made the best decision that was right for me at the time, 
I'm like, you quit still. And um, I can tell you, I've never quit anything again after, after that. But what I did do maybe five years down the line, I think I had my son and, you know, perspective changed for me and stuff. And I reached out to her and I was like, I asked her what, like, why was she so hard on me? And then I thanked her for being hard on me because it prepared me so much for life in a way that I didn't see back then. Um, but her response to me was like, look, I gave it to you because I knew that you can handle it. Right. Like my delivery may not have been the best, but I knew that you can handle it. And I saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. And I wanted to bring that out. Like I knew that you could be great and you didn't see it the way that I saw it. So we were able to connect and find the value in that experience. You know what I mean? That really is going to last me a lot longer than, you know, any other lesson, honestly, that I've had in my life. Yeah. You hear, you hear about, I had to call them horror stories between coaches and former players at times, especially when there's a falling out. Yeah. Especially when someone is perceived to have quit either the coach or the player. Um, right. To be able to reconcile that. But I think the key thing here, and I wanted to ask you about this, is something you keep saying. And I feel like it's important in your current role. Um, she, you said she saw something that you didn't see in yourself. How important in coaching is that to identify what which players can take it and which can't? Yeah, good question. Um, that's where I think relationships matter, hmm. right? Like I think that that's, she didn't, she wasn't the best at, well, I should say her strength was not connecting on a relational level, right? So she knew how to push you. She knew how to trigger you, but there was never conversations. Go ahead. You want to say something? No, I was going to say that I mean, when you have a, someone, a person that pushes you all the time, but doesn't kind of balance it out with the build up before the build, was it, does that yeah. describe it? Okay. Correct. Correct. And so I think that that's where I found the balance. So like Kathy Olivier was really good at that. She was really good at the relationship. Beth Burns is really good at the like physical mental aspect. And so I feel like I learned how to be somewhere in the middle, you know, like I have to communicate prior to and during with my student athlete, why I'm doing this. Right. And then I also help them. This is where psychologists as parents come into play. I also help them like almost make them feel like they're seeing it for themselves. So it's not, Oh, Hey, I see this. It's like, Hey, let's pull back the layers a little bit. Really? What do you see that you just don't know that you, that you have yet, but you, but it's in you somewhere. And so it's almost like this reverse psychology a little bit, but when we can, but when players know that you care, like when I tap in with my players and about, you know, one of my players right now, she's a, she paints and like, no one knew that she paints and she's legit. And I'm, so she sends me her paintings all the time now. And it's a way that we can connect. So now when we're on the court, I'm like, yo, we're staying here until you make whatever, whatever, or, Hey, you're not going hard. She responds better because she knows that I care. And so I think that finding that, and, and you don't always get it right as a coach, but you try you know what I'm saying? You try. My, my philosophy is, has been, I want to be to these young women, the woman that I didn't have growing up. I had a mom, I had a grandma, but I didn't have like an older sister. I didn't have an auntie. I didn't have a female coach. Um, they could pour into me in a way that was so relatable. And that's what I want to be to these young women. Like, Hey, I see you. 
and I'm not just going to like just beat you down to try to bring you back up. I'm going to let you know what I see, how, I, how we're going to, and how we're going to do this together so that you can be the best version of yourself now and down the line. Yeah, coach, I hear you. I mean, <laughs> all right, shoot. <laughs> hey, I feel like going Russell suicides right now. No, no, but the, the relationship part, I think you described it perfectly when they know you care. Um, a, a, a mentor of mine, uh, Ed Waters, my dad's best friend. He's the Oh, current- I love him. Yeah, Ed, Ed. He's he's currently the head coach of Crenshaw High, but he um he had said told me something on Twitter where he mentioned something about just how love at the core of coaching and and, and, and the, the interpersonal relationship when you have a mentor, there's love and love presents itself in different shapes, forms, and fashions. So, you know, if you have love at that core in that relationship with the player, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be this intense love, but they know like love, caring is part of love. You know what I'm saying? So if they know you care, then they're going to respond even on your bad days, even on your worst days, staying on your coaching. I wanted to, I wanted to segue and discuss some of your accolades that you've done. I mean, obviously you, after San Diego state, I, I can go through your, your history, Mount Miguel, Preston Wood, Harvey Westlake, but then I, I really wanted to just hone in on Detroit country day. I felt like I wanted to hear the story about how you got that opportunity and just talk a little bit about that incredible two-year run that you had out there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I was coaching at Cal State Northridge and um, COVID hit. And so my son, so I was a single parent. Um, and when my son, he was turning seven, his dad is from and lives in Detroit. Um, and we were like, you know, it's time for him to go live there. Like, he just needs to be with his dad. And uh, so he went out there and I couldn't get on a plane because COVID hit and I didn't see my son for five months. Wow. And um, yeah. Was that the longest you guys had ever been apart? And how? <laughs> I, I... Easy. <laughs> oh, so look, 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 if that brought up. So that brought out something. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, and before I was like, man, I would never move to Detroit until I'm five months, five months and I can't see my baby. Then I'm, you know, so I started to look for opportunities because I'm like, there's nothing in the world more important than being near my child for me and for him at this point. Um, and so I looked for opportunities and I knew I was ready to be a head coach. It's funny because when I was at CSUN, I had said, talking about the speaking things into fruition, I said, I was like, man, I want to be a, a head coach. My next thing, I want to be a head coach at a top private school. And I wasn't looking for it, but I planted that seed. So then when it was time to look, when it was time to look for opportunities in Detroit, Detroit Country Day was open. Um, so I reached out, I applied, um, went through the process, I got it. And uh, you went through the you went through the normal, regular. Uh, I went through the regular process. process. No, I'm just curious. I'm just curious because a lot of times those type, of, those type of situations, it's surprising that you would as an outsider, so to speak, be. Uh, I mean, you must have really impressed the heck out of that administration. That's my point for saying all this to come from, you know, you were. You oh, were no. Talk to me. Let me. Yes. No, you're right. Same thing with Windward. I went through the regular process. I didn't have an in. I didn't know anybody there. Um, so at Country Day was that same. And people at Country Day say that. Like people at Country Day, 
when I was there, they'd be like, how'd you get the job? And I'm like, I applied. And they're like, okay, yeah, but how did you get it? Like, who do you know? And I was like, my resume, like, but, and I'll say this, Chris, I don't apply like a normal person. Like when I want something, like the free throw contest, when I want something, I leave no stone unturned. Like my focus is here. I have no distractions. Um, and, and so my cover letter, my resume, like it stands out, like it's going to stand out if it's, if it's what I want. And I only go after things that I want at this point in my life. So I got it. Um, what, so what do you want to know about country day specifically? Cause it was a, it was a, it was a good journey. <laughs> the challenge. Well, you followed the let, well, I believe you, you were following a, a person, Frank Orlando that had won 13 state championships. Okay. They were coming, you were coming off a two win season when you got the job. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So Frank Orlando, he was there for 40 years. Yeah. Legend. He, he was there. He's the most winningest coach in <laughs> Michigan basketball history. Um, and he had retired in 2018. Okay. And then his assistant coach took over for two years. Okay. And they had won a total of four games in those two years after that coach had left. Um, so I was acquiring the team that had won a total of four games in two years. And they were sophomores at this point? So, no. So I had one sophomore because everyone else who was on the team didn't like basketball. Like they were just like, whatever. So I acquired all freshmen, one sophomore and one senior who had never played. <laughs> she was just really tall, really long. She had been on the team, but she never played. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was no like, let me see who I can get in. It was like, look, it was my first head coaching job. I'm like, we're going to roll with what we got. Like I'm, you know, I'm a coach. And, uh, they bought, I had all freshmen, so they bought in easy. You know what I mean? Like they, they were excited to just be part of something. Yeah. And, um, I only had two or three people who had played basketball before. Yeah. Everybody else was like softball, soccer. Um, but I had open tryouts and I was very diligent in my staff. I was lucky to hire a phenomenal staff. Right. Um, but I was very, diligent in like i'm hiring the people i'm not hiring i'm i'm selecting the players that not necessarily stand out because of skill but they show me good character mm -hmm. um and the intangibles that was it that was all i was looking for yeah. um i said no to a couple players that just had bad attitudes but they could hoop a little bit i said no to them so we rolled with nine um one senior one sophomore and the rest were freshmen and we I don't know who wasn't. I know people were not anticipating us to do what we did, but we beat a lot of people we weren't supposed to beat, and we went further than anybody thought we were going to go. So then that next year, um, year two, they were all sophomores, one junior, no seniors, um, some returners, mostly returners, obviously. And then I think I had like one or two new, I had three new freshmen. Um, one of them that contributed a lot and we actually lost like we were 50 we were we were at 500 going into the playoffs and i remember saying to them i was like in my mind i'm like if we if we went out we will have won 15 total games in the year so i think we had seven we were like seven and seven it's horrible 
Totally different experience. Same team, totally different experience. So that was my thing. It's like, well, I know it's how we end. I believe what I believe, but it's harder to motivate a team that like has lost. Like they had one and then they had, then they were losing. So I was like, all right, everybody write 15 on their wrist. And no one knew why. Oh, they were like, coach, what are we doing? I'm like, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Time went on, Chris. I think it was like third game in. I'm like, look, this is what the number 15 means. So we were at like 10 and seven at that point. And we just kept winning. Um, it was, we just, we just kept winning. And uh, we ended up with 14 wins, which, you know. So two totally different seasons, um, but similar outcomes. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, two district and regional championships, state semis at Michigan State. Uh, so you guys played in the Breslin Center or the place where Michigan State plays? That must have been a, a pretty nice experience to take for the young ladies. To yeah. uh, They probably didn't expect that to happen uh, in their two years, especially after the losing seasons. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. How difficult... Was it for you to say goodbye to that team, mm. to, to, those, to those people, that community, after achieving such like just out of no, out of no unexpected success? How does how hard is it to say goodbye to that? Well, it's definitely see you later, not goodbye. Um, mm. But there was a lot of tears. Uh, yeah, I didn't cry too much, not because I wasn't sad, but it was more like numb to the situation because it wasn't just them. It wasn't just Detroit country day. It was all my son that I was moving away from. Cause he stayed, he's there full time with his dad. So I get to see him a lot, but not, I'm not down the street anymore. Um, so I was processing a lot of that, but there were a lot of tears, you know, it showed me, um, the impact. Cause I know the impact that they had on me, but what I didn't realize was the impact I had on them because they were, they wrote me letters and, a lot of things came out that they had never said, you know, I think that they anticipated that I'd be there at least through their career. 
Um, but I think that the, the feedback I got from the administrators, a couple of the administrators cried, um, and from the parents, man, like, just like you, you changed our daughter. Uh, and it was just like, that's what it was about. It had nothing to do with basketball, you know? And so for me, my, my intention when letting them know that I was leaving was like, I'm always here. Like, I'm going to be your coach forever. So like within the last week, I've FaceTimed with four of them that are out there because I would be a hypocrite if I say I'm a relational coach and I don't maintain relationships with the players that I've coached. I have a former player come in to interview with me this week. I gave a letter of recommendation to one of the players I coached at Prestonwood. Like it, it's, it's a lifetime thing. Um, and so my job is to continue to pour into them. And so I knew there was an opportunity for them as young women to grow, right? Like I definitely threw them some adversity with me leaving, but I know that they're going to be so much better, uh, because of it, but it was, it was an easy and, and Winward made it an easier transition. You know what I'm saying? Like to know where I was going, um, definitely made it made the blow a little easier but i know that that my girl's back in detroit and my family's back in detroit felt it but i was able to garner relationships that really like will last a lifetime so i was just really excited that i got the opportunity to do that absolutely and what type of roster or what state of the program is winward in as you inherit the are you are named a head coach yeah so when so winward went to the division one state championship this year um, their former coach is the Phoenix Mercury head coach. <laughs> so, Vanessa, Vanessa Nygaard, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so into something different than you know, a team with two wins, but you yeah. know, I think it's one just full transparency It's it was validating for me that like, Oh, you're ready for something of this stature, right? Like you, you're ready for something of this stature. Um, because the same things apply, right? Like I'm following a coach that's amazing. I've done that before. Um, and I understand how to honor the people who came before and the program, the legacy that is Winward or the, the legacy that is Detroit Country Day and still understand that it's a new era, you know, and be able to contribute to that new era. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the roster is we lost three seniors. Um, but like I tell my players now, like, man, it's a clean slate. To be honest, I I haven't seen them play in person once. I saw them play on, on you know, on the computer, but yeah. I haven't seen them in the gym. Um, and so it's a clean slate for me. Uh, so I'm excited to see um, what they could do. When you go in year one and set the foundation for your program, you establish the culture, all that. Yeah. Is it something that, is there a manual you have that you kind of blueprint you take? It doesn't matter what your situation is. You're going to coach in that situation the same, or do you go by sort of, you, you, you look at your roster, you kind of say, okay, well, I can rock. I can get out. I can get down like this with this crew, but this crew may not, and I, I might not be able to get down with, or is it just that blueprint? Hey, no matter what crew it is, this is what time it is. And this is what we're, how we're doing it. Uh, good question. I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have to know, you know, one of the, the first thing that I did when I got on campus was connect with everybody individually, you know? Um, Cause while there, you know, and John Wooden is obviously someone who I aspire while there's foundational things that never change. Yeah. Um, I think there is 
you have to understand who you're in a relationship with to know how to communicate them and to, with them and to know how they receive and process information and stuff like that. Uh, so I think that that's a, a key element, but it doesn't necessarily change my approach. I think if anything else, what I saw with country day, what I've seen as a player and being in different things. Um, I went and visited Vanessa Nygaard at Phoenix and it's like basketball is basketball. Like culture is culture. Like the fundamental stuff does not change. And so I have to be true to, to who I am and my beliefs. Like I can't, you know, I have to be the leader of, of it. Um, and they're, they're going to buy in to how I lead, but understand too, like I'm learning from them just as much as they're learning from me. So in that way, we're going to be able to build it together. Um, but I definitely do not take my responsibility of leading the ship. You know, I take that very seriously. So, uh, everyone will adapt, but we'll all learn and grow together. What do you think is the single most important thing for you as a coach, as a leader of young women, for them to leave your program with, uh, as far as character, uh, is it something on the court? Is it something I could, I mean, what, like, what are your, like, you know, tenets of, of you, the, the Jerrica yeah. Williams experience as a coach? So good. I did this practice, uh, with them the other day. I told, I, we talked about liabilities and assets and, uh, you know, I, most of the kids that age don't know. So it's a good opportunity to teach them about actual liabilities and assets in terms of, you know, finances. Mm -hmm. Um, but I asked him, I'm like, how are you a liability to your, to your team? Right. Um, and so many of them gave answers that were intangible communication, um, not believing in each other, things like that. And it was such a good question because I had to ask, answer the question for myself too. Um, so what I want people to leave with is like, being high character, but being asset minded, right? Like being a contributor in your life to society, to your family, to your team. And so I think that there's so many things that fall under the umbrella of being an asset because it requires that you give and that you add, you continue to add value to whatever it is that you're doing. And because that can take so many different forms as you evolve in life, I think that if you maintain or have the tools to be asset-minded and take that into whatever situation or circumstance that you're in, you're going to be successful in whatever form that may take, you know? And so I pray that my kids are all high character individuals that leave with high levels of confidence, knowing that they're going to be high level contributors to the world. Amazing. Um, I, I listening to you a real, coach successful on all levels i i, I kind of have been doing some self introspection and understand and i kind of started to figure out where i went wrong as a coach i used to coach a lot on the eybl i've coached high school but you you, you, you everything you've talked about today has kind of opened my eyes to like how to deal with the relationship part of basketball is so important i think we when you come from a certain era the only thing that mattered was the result part of it. And however you get to that result, uh, it didn't matter if, how many toes you, toes you stepped on or if that person liked you or not. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't matter if it's not about like, and it's about 
I realized like, you know, people have coached me in sort of rough kind of fashions. And so, you know, once you get coached in a rough fashion, you in turn coach others in a rough fashion and you don't keep in mind like this generation isn't that same generation. So I'm sorry for that little little, uh, sidebar there. Oh, no, it's okay. It's just, no, it's just so, it's just, it's it's just such a revelation listening to you. Uh, I have to discuss something else because in doing my research for this interview, I saw that you were named the San Diego Businesswoman of the Year in 2017. And this is something that is extremely impressive. And then I looked a little deeper and you have a consulting firm that you've had since 2013 that specializes in biz dev, marketing, branding, and public relations. And then my first real interaction with you, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Not at all. Um, the, my first real interaction with Jerica was not on the basketball floor, I don't think. It was for my father, Marcus's jersey retirement, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, retired his jersey. Jerica was the point person, the lead of everything. So we had to, anything that was going down, we had to holler at Jerica. So we, you know, we're getting flown to Milwaukee. We're here, we're there, we're at dinners, we're at the Jersey. It was, yeah. it was one of the most amazing moments of, of my life. Thank you for all your hard work on that. I don't think I, I don't think, you know, your job and what you do, obviously, and I'll let you describe it, but it's a thankless job at times. And so, you know, but thank you for that. Yeah. But, but I'd love for you just to talk about, um, Jace Consulting mm-hmm. and, you know, what the impetus for it was and, and just kind of how it's gone for you and, and, and how you use that if you have it all in, in, in the coaching realm. Yeah. Great question. I appreciate the research. Um, it was an honor helping coordinate your dad's Jersey retirement. Straight, it was a pure honor. I was amazing. Um, got really good feedback, but it, um, the fact that he just enjoyed that night, enjoyed yeah. that weekend. Dope. You know, like, Dope. and it seemed smooth. Like it seemed like it went well. <laughs> <laughs> and you made it seem smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no. So Jace is my nickname. It's my family nickname. Um, public relations is something that I didn't even know was a thing. I found a passion back however long ago, uh, when my son was born. So I was a single mom and, um, like, like single mom, <laughs> you know, like yeah, no, I hear you. single mom. And, um, I needed a uh, flexibility, uh, for my son. But while that was happening, um, I had fell into a couple opportunities, like to organize events and things of that nature. And I realized that I really had a knack for connecting people that turned into connecting like businesses and brands and stuff like that. And then Mm -hmm. because I spoke the athlete language, it just kind of turned into this like branding, marketing, strategic partnership ordeal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I already had so many existing relationships that made that situation kind of happen organically. So like when I was coaching at Prestonwood, that's where Julius Randall went. Mm -hmm. Um, they had heard I was working at like Northwestern Mutual, but I, I'm not a nine to five person. I'm going to just be honest, like not a nine to five person. And, uh, I was like, Hey, I, I came up with all these ideas to help this organization do things. And I'm like, man, I, I could do this on my, I could do this on my own. Like I could make a lot more money doing this if I put my attention into this. And so I walked into my boss's office and I quit like, was like, on Hey, the spot? On, the spot? on the spot, I was like, 
Chris, because I was sitting there, I was probably making, I was young. I was like 25. I was probably making $15 an hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. there for eight hours a day, not counting when I take my son to daycare, pick him up, lunch, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, for $15 an hour, I could find that in the couch. <laughs> like That's how I felt. And I wasn't doing something that I loved. And you know this, you're That's not going to, you're not going to work hard if you don't love what you no, do. No, it's tough. It's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard. So I was like, you know what? I could do it. So I went in there. I'm like, I'm out. And I want to say that next week, Julius Randall's um, like point person was like, hey, he needs a publicist. And I heard that, you know, you're kind of good at this, whatever. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, do you want to be his publicist? And I was like, for sure. So he was a senior at Kentucky at the time. Okay. And it hadn't been announced yet that he was going to enter the draft. So long story short, I had Julius Randle as the seventh pick of the Los Angeles Lakers as my first, like, theme. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I kind of just got thrown into the fire, but I made a business out of it. Yeah. Uh, and so fast forward, my son was getting a little bit older, and I was like, Jace had – I was going to China. I was, like, going to all these places, but I wasn't home enough and um, I was ready to kind of settle down. And so that was like in the midst of all that is when I got businesswoman of the year. Cause I was everywhere. Like I was getting, every- <laughs> I was behind the scenes, like to your point, no one would know that I was, that I helped coordinate that Jersey retirement. Like nobody would know that, but I was, I found myself in a lot of different places, but I was away from my kids. So I was like, let me find some, what can I see myself doing for the rest of my life? That also allows me to be, you know, just more present with my son and um, I'm like, let's do basketball. Like, yeah. let's jump into it full fledged. Because even at Prestonwood, I was it was part time, right? Like it wasn't a full time thing. And so I put some fillers out there, um, and and it landed. And so, but I knew that like to be the coach that I wanted to be, I couldn't equally give a hundred percent to my, you know, consulting business, PR business, and coach in the way that I that I wanted to do it. Um, so now so that's why it's moved into more of a consultancy yeah. role where I still know how to connect people very efficiently. Like I still know I, what used to take me a long time to do. I can do it really quick. So it's not something that um, I really even market now. Like yeah. it's, it's more so just word of mouth because I, I really give a lot, if not everything in my day to coaching, to coaching my team. So Hope that answers your question. No, <laughs> yeah, that does. I just wanted to get some background. I mean, to to be recognized as you have and receive so many accolades, it's always nice to hear about the grind and how people started. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any idea that Julius Randall was your client. That's something that was a revelation right here on this show. KJ Live, you heard it first. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but no, it's awesome. Hey, hey, Jerrica, no, hey, hey, listen. I wanted to just wish you the best at Windward in your next journey. Um, I have no doubt, given your experiences, that it's going to be an amazing one and a highly successful one. Uh, You you possess a lot of the skills and qualities that we've seen in a lot of the great coaches. And I think that you you with your personal twist on it, too, uh, as far as who you are coming up in this, you know, your generation and who you just turned out to be as experiences typically make us. It's 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 right. This sounds I think it's going to be a really good opportunity. Thank you so much uh, for coming on KJ Live. Do you want to give any shout outs before you go? (laughs) 
Um, well, first of all, KJ, thank you. Um, you guys have been like family to me, even if it's from a distance. Um, I rock with the Johnsons at a high level. So I appreciate you reaching out and um just honored to be on the show. And congratulations on the show and, and all thank that you continue to do and continue you. to inspire. Um, shout outs, uh, you know, not really. Like I really don't have I finally got a Twitter. So I was okay. off social media okay. for years. Wow. And I finally got a Twitter. So I guess that. Um, but you know, come out and support the Winwear Girls basketball team when the season is is here. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh I think the other thing is, you know, my kid, my son, Jariah. I was talking to somebody, like, I'm just so proud of the young man that he's becoming, you know, like someone asked me what motivates me. And um, obviously our kids like naturally motivate, but you know, Jariah and I bounced around a lot. Like, so all those jobs that you see on my resume, like he came with me, he was with me. And as a parent, you know, you, you just hope that you're doing a good job. And so to see him now, I was just with him and we went to New York uh, for mother's day. And he's just like, so like this independent young man, that young boy that, uh, how, how old is he? He's 10. Okay. But he's, he's sharp, man. He's sharp. He's on top of his stuff. And, you know, I just, I feel like all the stuff that we went through so far, he's taken that and really embraced it. And it's, I can see how it's making him, you know, him, like he just walks in like this confidence about himself. And I'm just really honored to be his mom, but it's, it's, I just want to, I know that there's so many working mothers out there yeah. you know, and fathers. Right. Um, but female being a female coach and a mom is a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to just recognize my son and the role that he continues to play in my life, you know? So I appreciate you giving me the platform to do that. Absolutely. Shout out to Jariah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. All right. Yeah, no, that's it. I appreciate it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerrica Williams. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.